And we're back. This is another episode of Square Grouper. I'm Fox with my co-host Dave. Thank you for joining us. Um, I don't know what number episode this is because of a couple reasons, but I'd like to start just by saying if you're listening to this one, if you're tuning in for the first time, if you've kept up with us so far, I just wanted to say a big, big thank you. We've got lots of cool things in the works and they're starting to get rolling. Um, We also have some Save the Bail shirts that we'll talk about later at the end, but this should be a fun episode. We're just going to sort of dick off into uh, random things, but some important notes like... um, we have a lot of viewers, listeners. No one fucking views this. What's wrong with me? Um, that might be interested in getting in the cannabis industry. And so I'm going to talk about, uh, not so, you know, I've talked about the stories of the whatever, but I'm just going to give out some thoughtful and helpful tips on if you really must be in this industry, if you feel like you're going to be the definitive difference and want to listen against all the advice I've given, I'll happily tell you what to do so you're not getting super proper fucked. Oh, you're talking about this change from the inside, people. Yeah, well, I, you know, I agree you can do more damage from the inside. Change, (laughs) damage, same thing, whatever. But either way, um, (laughs) needless to say, um, a lot of people go into the mindset of, like, being so excited that like I did mention it on the last episode a little bit about, you know, how companies will tend to view and what to look for. And, you know, you need to be smarter going into things like that. And you'll line yourself up with people who genuinely want you there because you have a good head on your shoulders versus someone that they can just use until they don't need to use anymore. So on that note, Dave, what do you got for us? Well, not a lot in the news today. Um, Smart and Safe's gathered over 1 million verified signatures, it looks like. So, uh, pretty one much. million. Yeah. 1 million. Definitely enough to get on the ballot. Uh, of course, has to go through Supreme Court review, all that, yada, 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 get signed by Ron DeSantis. Is DeSantis going to sign it? Who knows, guys? I mean. Will he have a even... choice? I mean, obviously, if he if he gets paid to sign it, he probably will. That's yeah, my honest opinion. But if he gets paid to not sign it, then he won't. So that's how I look at it. Who's got the bigger bankroll? Yeah, yeah. I mean, honestly, it's it, it, it's all a dice roll, you know. And and this one doesn't come with the homegrown, correct? No, definitely not. So, I can't say I'm the. This is the turn every tree leaf on the corner into a 21 plus weed stop, weed, weed Walmart. I can't say I'm really for that, but you know, whatever. They're going to be running around fucking rubbing true clear on their gums. (laughs) Oh God. Can't believe they used to tell people to put distillate on their gums. Have you ever done that? Uh, no, the only time I've ever done that is when someone handed me a gummy that they told me they made, but in reality, they took gummy bears and injected distillate into their stomachs. And so like, I'm like, you know, that feeling when it shits on your teeth and you're like, what the fuck is this? It's like, oh yeah, I inject the distillate into the gummies. because I think it's a better way of, of, uh, dosing. And I'm like, okay, cool. 
Not cool, because I fucking felt the burn of the distillate in my throat for like 20 minutes. And then for another 20 minutes after that, I was picking distillate the fuck out of my teeth. It wasn't fun. So no, I wouldn't just, I wouldn't like actively go and say, I'm going to put distillate on a peach. You're like, no, that's just terrible. That's a fucking terrible marketing gimmick that people have gone to like, you know, how... How can you make distillate relevant? Like, yes, you can eat it. Yeah, and that's what and that's what people need to understand is the Florida market and all this weird shit was like because of the butter. limits. Do you eat butter though? No, not it, like just butter. And that's my <laughs> point. Don't fucking eat distillate. Well, a lot of this shit was because of the restrictions in the Florida market, right? Where we only had certain things before smokable flour, all this thing. So they began to market for it, and people like, you know, that's why we used to be kind of mean to some people that were just squirting distillate and shit and acting like chefs. Like, you're not a fucking chef. I'm sorry. If you're melting down Haribo and squirting disty into them and remolding them, it's it's not groundbreaking. No, so, most people aren't even doing that. Ex- you know, but exactly. I'm not trying to be mean, but it's just the fact that distillate and fucking smoke, smokable RSO, all this fucking weird shit. Just because you put an oil in a syringe doesn't make it RSO, guys, so... I mean, whatever, we could have that debate, whatever. I don't know. You know, that just, I don't know why, that brought me back to a flashback of, like, 2012, 2013, being in California and hanging with um, <clears throat> the Clear guys, you know, Clear Concentrate, you know, the original Disty Boys. Um, and uh, they used to carry around, like, for sessions. Big, huge uh, turkey baster type like syringes filled with fucking the clear in different flavors. Like filled with it. I don't know why my mind just went to it. What were people doing? Dabbing it on skills? Fuck yeah. We were like, you know, we just. I'm just Dude, you know, and that was like the shit back then. I just remember. And even then, like we just thought. We knew people that would just straight smoke only the clear. And I'm like, wow, that's that's dedication. I don't like the way that smoking distillate feels on your mouth after a while. And there's never been a way that it's been flavored. You know, there's been, okay, let me rephrase that. There's been very few instances where people take the time to like pull terps and then clean them and then reintroduce them back into distillate without it being like a botanical or a food grade dist uh, flavoring. So it's either going to taste like some stupid candy. Like you find it really common whenever you see blue raspberry or stuff like that. That's usually done with like a food flavoring. Cause it's very fucking strong. Um, and if not, then it's like a mixture of botanical terpenes to kind of recapture quote unquote cannabis, you know? And like, no matter what, Every year you see these people that are like, yeah, we figured out a way to like make non-cannabis cannabis terps. I'm like, no, you didn't. No, no, you fucking didn't. You know, it's like, it's not good. So there's, and the reason for that is, you know, it takes a lot uh, of material to run uh, for terpenes, but then not only run for terpenes, but like, to be able to capture them and then, you know, properly clean them. Um, it is truly one of those things that is like, you know, it, it, it's a labor of love. It's not easy, but there, there's a whole point 
um, you know, to trying to get all that shit done the right way. And I think it's just been beaten to shit. And, you know, I, I don't think there's anyone in the market that's reintroducing the cannabis terps that they'll pull via like a cold trap or, you know, there's, there's tons of different ways to do it depending on what your extraction method is or, you know, what equipment you're running, you know, um, you can run them through like secondary process, like catching them through cold traps and other equipments like that, or other pieces of equipment like that, excuse my shitty English. Um, or, you know, they could be the byproduct of a primary extraction, you know, like what you see with a lot of hydrocarbons or like very, you know, wet consistencies and concentrates and things like that. But no one does that. And like, it, it's uh, the other part is like, okay, before metric came around, let's say that I had a bunch of really terpy hash that I separated the terpenes and then I had the THCA instead of being like the head of the lab or the main operator or the lead that says, okay, these are going to make the best flavors and this is going to make the best possible smoking product in this tier that we can make and create. No, I have to fucking mix and match and attach every, every material, every, um, every batch of hash, every concentrate, it's all labeled and batch. And so when you start mixing and separating portions to then make a new one, a new tag. It's this whole fucking shit show of shit. And even though metric isn't in Florida as of now, they are running similar, similar instances and, and, um, uh, POS is like BioTrack, and, you know, having to run it through a system that also regulates and does all that shit, which I think they do for Florida. I think they all switched to one. I can't remember which one it is, but I think they finally rolled, rolled out legislation. I can't remember. What, I think who it's they BioTrack were. because I know it's not metric. No, it's not metric. The met- yeah, because yeah, I remember metrics headquarters are in Florida and they didn't go with them, which was funny. But I guess a lot of people's HQs in Florida because it's a tax haven. So. Yeah, someone needs to go and. I was going to say something, but I don't want it to be perceived in a terrible way. But well, that's fuck, all right. So let's let's, let's 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 talk. Let's switch gears here. Even though people have been asking for the for that stuff, man, we could um, you know, there's some questions in here for you. They want to want want you to break down the different kinds of extracts and things oh, like dude, this. Let's fucking they're, go they're into. They're asking about ethanol and stuff like this. I told them like, well, ethanol is not really something that was really <laughs> normalized until. It was it was used in Florida, right? Because it was uh, it wasn't as combustible as other other shit. It was because right? we weren't allowed to use butane, essentially. So with ethanol, you have to think of it this way: like you take ethanol extractions to get a crude product, like a crude product, like a black oil shit tar type substance, which is basically the ethanol stripping every fucking thing from the biomass because it's as as a as the type of solvent that it is, it has the ability to be able to strip more of a um, everything from the plant. And then at which point you use anything from, you know, uh, uh, running a, a thin film evaporator to using um, fractional distillation to supercritical CO2, which just uses super fucking pressurized air and filtration essentially to like clean and filter it. But all of those, all of those systems that I mentioned leave a certain grade of a product. And there's certain people that can run magic with CO2. They are like fucking 
true artists to, that can take their material and make it actually taste not like shitty CO2. Shitty CO2 oil always comes out like a burnt orange color. It always has this very distinct flavor. There's certain limitations that that uh, method brings now. Now, now um, there's also other things you can do where people use what is finished in a supercritical machine, like a CO2 run machine um, for other processes where like, I'm not going to get into it more than that at the moment, but, um, we can get into that on like some advanced extraction stuff later. So I just kind of want to do an overview essentially, not to like go over everyone's head too much. So basically that's where ethanol has its sort of place or why people would use ethanol. You can clean ethanol up to essentially make it, you know, uh, distillate like product, you know, at best, even almost like a BHO like product, but it ain't fucking BHO. You don't, it destroys. Let me not say it destroys. It doesn't retain the flavor profile of the plant as well as running fresh frozen hydrocarbons like BHO or fresh frozen uh, solventless with ice water extracts. And that's just the truth of it, which is why a lot of the terpenes are stripped and you're left with the distillate like product that just is THC. So here's another question for you. How is, how is solventless solventless if water is the universal solvent? Oh my God. First of all, this dude could lick the underside of my nuts. Second of all, I agree that water is a solvent, but people like, Oh God, there's people, people like, Oh, people. I'm like, yes, it technically, if you want to get weird about it, it is. And like the truth is, um, dude's probably gonna be butthurt. I'm like, he told me to lick his nut, but like, no, on, no. no, like the truth is though, dude, you get that a lot, and I think it's just more of a joke. Like, no, if anyone gets seriously upset about that question, then it's like it's just an easy way to trigger water boys or like hash boys or even lab people. Like, it's so weird. Yes, it's like the lab people used to say the flavonoid content is high in ethanol extracts, and I'm like, fuck flavonoids, dude. Uh, actually, flavonoids are amazing, but there's a lie about the way – like, they're destroyed in the ethanol process. You want flavonoids and um, – I think they were just saying it was higher than the – Fuck no. It was, there was higher percentage. because they paid the lab to lie. Well, that was probably the, higher than the terpene percentage. No, but um, – no, the whole – it's solventless in the sense that it's not using a volatile compound to extract – or, or make an extract or concentrate. It's non-volatile. So it's not, it's, yeah, it's the, volatile. The process is happening. Water isn't, okay, in the sense that water's not powering the process, it's the agitation and how you're touching the material through the process that is. And then the ratio of your water and ice is really important per how many grams of water you have in the container. How that makes sense, but that's really like the the fucking the 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 most non bro way to look at it is what I just said about ten seconds ago. All right, I got something else. We got some listeners that are in a hundred and ten plus degree greenhouses in the summer working for some of these places. What do you Ooh, got to say? Y'all to boys are the real heroes. Any of the dudes out there working during these summers or during storm season, like yo, I see you, fucking, I one hundred percent 
respect the fuck out of you guys because I know more often than not, the real ones that love their job would show up before they're asked. But I know it's things to be expected, essentially, because, uh, you know, you are running and helping run your part in a state medical program and you really do try to limit losses and storms are no joke. These summers are no joke. So, uh, to all them, it's boys, been such a wet summer. Sorry. It was uh, just true. It's it has been, been a wet summer. It's, it's been, been bad. Some could say it's been moist. <laughs> oh my God. I don't Sorry. I had to, that. I had to, I, I know like half of my that. homies are going to listen to that and cringe, but I got to fuck with them a little bit. Thanks for the support. Um, but yeah, like, uh, sorry, on with the question if we have one, but I just wanted to say shout outs to the real, the heroes, you know, the real boys helping uh, push just, the mids. So, oh my God, dude. I mean, that's Not what I was going to kind of say. I'm like, I'm like, you guys, you guys, please no, be safe, no. Look, man. Make you, sure that it's worth it, you know, because like really make sure it's worth the money. I know you love weed and we'll kind of transition here. but It's not even just the love weed thing. I mean, yeah, you love weed, but the other part of it is like you have to know that all of that work that you're doing is going to end up in someone's hands who probably really needs it. And if you come yeah, in there true. every day with the mindset of like, yo, there's a patient that really needs like what I'm doing is a part of like a, it's a, it's an ant farm, you know, and y'all motherfuckers are all the little ants, the workers. And essentially the queen isn't even like the people you work for, you know, the idea and the concept of what you're doing is all for the plants and the medicine for the patients. The fact that it's been monopolized and all that, that's a whole nother instance of it. But like every time I get around those plants, I don't, you know, and it's different if you're growing for wreck. You know, if you're growing for a wreck market, you're just like, oh, these people, you know, but it's the same thing. People are getting high. They're not medicating, right? That's the difference. They're, they're, they're going for the recreational high, but maybe they're not going for a bottle. Maybe they're not going for a pill. Maybe they're managing another addiction by, you know, substituting something that doesn't have an addiction but is perpetually habit-forming. It's a much better habit to have than maybe whatever vices is is causing the problem in their life, which is what brings them to cannabis. So I've learned really like in my early days, I used to be like, fuck Rick, fuck that. But like as I got older, you know, like 10 plus years in it and I started looking at it, it's like, yeah, I want Uncle Steve and I want I want the dudes that can't get a medical license for whatever reason to come in with their wives or their, you know, whatever the fuck and go and get some, you know, get some weed or make it a fun fucking date night. Like all of that still helps at the end of the day, as long as the people aren't giving them bullshit. You know, I think a rec market, a 21 plus market can be a good thing for people that can't have cards because they rather not sacrifice the freedom of their second amendment or like could be many fucking things. But as I've gotten older, I've understood and looked and, and understood why. And even then, you know, you, you still can't have both on you at the same time. So, like, you still run a risk, but people would still be more inclined to window shop in a place like that versus having to give their full credentials to the state and, uh, you know, um, deal with something like having a medical card on file. You know? Sounds scary, giving all your information to the state. I mean, you have to anyways if you're a patient, so who fucking cares? Like, whatever. But still, I mean, 
We, if you have a social security card, congratulations. You're already in the fucking system. So it doesn't matter. Like, maybe, I was, maybe I was birthed, birthed at home. You, 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 you know what? You definitely come off as like a water baby. Like you were born in a tub somewhere, like maybe an inflatable pool. The float. <laughs> no, you're supposed to say flotation tank. Thanks for an inflatable pool. Isn't the same thing? No. No, I don't think you could birth in a flotation tank. It's got like a thousand pounds of Epsom salt in it. First of all, that baby would probably die. It's not a saltwater fish. (laughs) Anyway, we'll transition into... How pissed would you be? If what? If If you came out with some salty-ass water, bro. I mean, I feel like I was born into the ocean, but it, oh, you, I mean, it would you would float actually, so like it would, the baby would float. So anyway, what the that's a whole nother. That's interesting. Thing. No, no, stop trying to transition. I'm trying oh, to get to the yeah. truth of this. Yeah, I mean, I guess the baby would just float. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Interesting subject. I guess now we can transition. Thanks. So. Uh, you were talking earlier about protecting yourself if you have to work in the cannabis industry. So I want to transition with this, that you need to make sure that you're getting paid a good amount of money to do what you're doing, especially if you're in the heat and you're putting your health I mean, you're pretty much selling your health. You have to understand that. So to make sure that you're getting at least an okay deal. So if you're not, you know, like you should, if you're working hard, you should look around at other jobs and, and see if it's paying more somewhere else and just keep cannabis your hobby. Like I know some of you just think you have to be around it all day, but at the same time, you don't want to get the joy sucked out of it. I don't know, but. And, and here's the thing, too, and I'll say this. It's a lot easier if you don't like the direction that a ship's going that you happen to be on or working on or whatever. It's a lot easier to just jump the fuck off board than burn the fucking, you know, burn the ship down because you're not happy. Um, you know, don't be the sour grape that ruins it for everybody else. You know, you got to know sometimes that like, you know, that shit's not working for you. It's best to look elsewhere, you know, or maybe understand that if you keep looking elsewhere and you find that it's the same end result, that maybe it, this, that, whatever it is, is not what you imagine it to be. And that's okay. Um, there are people that are going to literally, you know, like there's not dude from running plumbing lines to like cleaning up bathrooms to, to, you know, falling in fucking rest tanks, you know, losing phones, uh, you know, fucking flooding. I don't know. I don't even, you learn to do so much if you really, you know, if you're there every day and people are mindful of like, okay, you know, this guy picks up quick. He does good at his job. He's got this down. What else can I help him or her learn? Right. Um, what else can they do? Obviously, you know, there's very, don't get me wrong. You're going to run into people that are your higher ups and they're going to keep you in line because if they see that there's someone that, could jeopardize their position they're going to find an excuse to make sure that you don't ever you know grow beyond that and you find a lot of that too i actually i didn't take a position with a certain uh uh license in florida because of someone who basically met and i walked around and did the tour 
And within like five seconds, the dude was the dude was asking me about like SOPs and super very specific things on like a tour slash interview, first interview. And I said, I was like, I'm not comfortable talking about processes that I may or may not have to use or write or implement without like at that point you're at that's consultation you know if you're asking if you're asking how if i know how to do it then you've actually you know like i had somebody bring me on board into the building to sort of bring the whole thing together and within five seconds the dude immediately was just like trying to shoot me down at every every chance he got and after the meeting was done you know the owner reached out to me and, uh, you know, it sort of explained the process. And even after the fact, they let the guy go, which, you know, like you gate blocked a job and a position and ended up losing it because there, it will always be someone more qualified than you or me or anybody, you know? So you just have to know your lane and stick to it. And there's a lot of that in Florida. I met master growers, quote unquote, for certain licenses, uh, licensees in the state. That I'm like, oh, cool. You've grown cannabis before. You have experience. You're, you know, running a facility. I would assume. Nope. I graduated and I have a master's in learning how to micro propagate and grow blueberries. Oh, that's cool. You know, but in reality, it's like, oh, yeah, my uncle is or my, you know what I'm saying? And that's, those are the things that you have to like understand. Or like you got to read the room, and if you feel like you're not getting ahead, it's it's for a particular reason, or you suck. <laughs> but I'm not trying to I'm not trying to assume that's what it is. And you have to learn when you're bad at something, and and constantly try to get better. Specifically, if you're working with the plants directly, specifically if you're working with patients uh, on a face to face basis, and you're you know you're entering the system, you're, you're talking about their Medicaid, whatever, whatever the fuck, every state does it differently. You know, some states you're allowed to do this and, and then you're allowed to have this, whatever. And some are just really more, it's about like a push order, this, that, okay. And then it's, it's done. They can't make suggestions. They can't really talk. They can talk about the product, but it's very weird. Like Ohio has weird rules. Florida has interesting rules. So, um, you know, most people that don't have a background in applied science or engineering that want to get into like the lab side of things or the, the, the processing side of things, you usually have to start from the fucking bottom and let it be known. Like I don't mind learning every aspect of how this company works from front of house to back of house, which would include, you know, the grow, which would include the lab, you know, whatever it is, you know, so that I can hopefully have, if this position ever be, you have to do a lot of shit, eat a lot of shit, smile while you're eating the shit and do all that. If you don't know shit and you want to get there. I know I said shit like 12 times probably just now, but it's the truth. Um, that takes a lot of dedication. You're going to deal with a lot of stuff that you don't want to deal with. Cause there's aspects of the job that just aren't great, but it's like, it happens, you know, they're plants. If you're working with plants, it's not about your schedule or how you feel. It's specifically on the schedule that the head grower or cultivator has put them on and following the recipe of how they're being fed, you know, how they're being um, dealt with through the entire time of being pruned, you know, being topped, being, you know, de-leafed, defoliated, you know, the whole 
the whole nine up until harvest and, uh, you know, hanging and curing, which is a whole nother thing. So yeah. Um, it takes a lot of passion to want to like learn, you know, you just have to understand when and where that passion is going to fit in for you. And, you know, some people will stick with it for years, you know, but just understand that your time is valuable and, I see a lot of people stay in dead end jobs because, you know, they, they just like the fact that they work at a grow or a lab or they're a part of something that is this or that. And that's not the fucking jam, you know, because these people will replace you in a heartbeat. So, uh, just be mindful of all those things. You know, I also believe that you make personal connections with people and when the right people find other passionate people and they understand that it will enrich their company to have people that genuinely care doing their job day in day out for patients. It makes a huge difference versus someone that's just clocking in to get the hours. So what do you think about when those two, two people clash people that are passionate or just have a good work ethic versus motherfuckers trying to run the clock out? Oh, um, I always got jobs for those boys. Fuck. Like, Lazy that's, motherfuckers that's on their phones. That's my favorite. That's, at that point, I will be extra polite, and I will run circles around that dude and make the team run circles around them to make them understand in the politest way. And at that point, the only thing that happens is that politeness fades and the work continues. And then eventually you just kind of work yourself out of the clock to where if you're standing still and we don't need you anymore, then that's a conversation you probably could have avoided. No. You know, and um, because there are people that are there that want it. And then, you know, there's don't get me wrong. Like I get being tired. I get that. But like, being around something as temperamental as um, cannabis plants when it's a job and you're being paid regardless of what it is uh, or what your aspect in that facility or, or the job title requires from you of you. Um, if you're really just there to collect a check and you don't care, then that's going to show it never does it like not like you'd have to be so fucking good at what you do and just be like, huh, whatever. And sometimes it happens. But that's not going to be like 99.8% of the people I'm talking about. You know, it shows, you know, I can see when someone is being lazy, when they're deleafing, defoliating. I can see when someone's not properly, you know, being clean or, or the, all these things that break down when you're just there versus doing what needs to be done because there's such an attention to detail that changes day to day, depending on what the situation calls for in that environment of those plants. I've been on both sides of it. You know, I, I've been very unhappy in the workplace, specifically in cannabis and learning how to deal with it and learning how to not let it affect my work, learning how to like, you know, there's only so much you can do because you're human. There's days where it's on your face, regardless, even if you come in and make the best hash and do all the best shit, if you don't look like something's not right, then, you know, like they're probably people are going to start to assume. 
Um, I just like to be direct and ask and, and, you know, try to alleviate the problem to see whether it's something that you could really do something about as, you know, a lead or a manager or in any position to be able to do such. Um, or if it's something that's, that you're starting to realize that maybe there's something wrong with your employee, whether it's like, there's this generation's very like, um, Oh God, what's the word? They're very pretentious. They're very, uh, you know, there's a lot of air and people feel like they deserve a lot more than they should have to work for. And passion can definitely oversee that, you know, it's a breath of fresh air when I see someone that's like 1922 and I do, I, I did a mixer the other night and there's a kid there that's like, fucking 22 23 like you know running lead managing fucking just killing it like ah just awesome like i i love that you know and it's cool to see that for anyone that age to be that driven and not on some bullshit i was i was on some half bullshit at 23 i was on half my way to fox tracks already doing shit in cali and stuff so it was like a little different but still fucking off you know as the time goes on because of how things have been streamlined in the industry. It's easier for kids at a younger age to be like, I want to do this and really get into it. You know, whether or not they want to go the whole route of um, the questionable credibility of cannabis colleges and all that stuff, or I don't want to get into it too much. I don't agree with 80% of the stuff that's uh, it's all opinion, you know? So it's like, it's very hard for me, you know, and I've talked to people that have taken some of those courses that are thousands, thousands of dollars um, and, and and not be happy with it because at the end of the day, they're not, you know, they're, they're viewing the plant based on the opinion of someone versus the science of it all. And that I can't really fuck with. Like I got my opinions and stuff and my hypothesis on certain things that I've tested with CBD over the years and, and, and CBD resin, but I don't like pump bro science into like my marketing or what I do. I just talk about my findings. I connect them with other people who have, I talk to people who have clinically tested this shit all the way up to being able to use it in children's hospitals and things like that. And that's where I get my science from, you know, like the facts, the fucking numbers. I don't, I don't know. That's just something that I see too many people doing. They, uh, too many bros, not enough, like science, (laughs) science, bros, science, bros, weed nerds. We so what what Florida story did you want to tell us about tonight? We're gonna it's time go back. for the war stories. It's time for the war stories. Yeah, dude. Okay. I don't know why. I was thinking about it. And this dude, you know, we started this podcast and we have this whole vibe going and we're cultivating the content that we are and it's falling in line with I think sharing stories about characters like within our real life vice city. And so yeah, I'm gonna start it's real. It is real. So I'm going to start off the first of our Vice City Square Grouper stories. Uh, we're going to call this one a man named Evan. So I worked with a kid named Evan who managed a landscaping company who hired me and two friends of mine 
and we would work summers together, basically digging through coral rock and running uh, water lines for sprinklers for like OJ Simpson. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> OJ Simpson. I don't know what the fuck I was doing there. Uh, Ingve Malstein. Um, and like just some, just some big ass celebrities back then. Like, and yeah. So I was essentially doing um, that work with Evan. Uh, running a landscape company, but then his family also owned like a nursery. Um, you know, so it was like a big plot of land and all that. I'm going to tell you why Evan is sort of an interesting character. He was just really like, he had like that Napoleon syndrome for sure. He was probably like five feet even. He drove a white Bronco just like fucking OJ. And uh, this kid was from Melbourne, Florida. So he was like a mixture of like tomato faced because he's always in the sun, redneck surfer kid. So like super, you know, like basically always like chewing tobacco, fucking riding his Bronco, listening to country, but always in surfer shorts and fucking uh, flip flops. Um. So it was like an interesting mix. Evan was an interesting person, is an interesting person. Um, <laughs> so one of the things Evan would do that was kind of weird at first is we would go on these drives and a lot of our clients were also in like the Homestead, Naranja area, the sort of stickish part of that area. And I rem- I'll never forget this shit, dude. This is where the story gets interesting because you're like, yo, what is he talking about? Why does this matter? <laughs> so he looks at me and he's like, all right, we're going to go hunting. And I'm like, what? He's like, I need you to look for big black trash bags on the side of the road. And I'm like, what? Why? And he's like, you'll see. So this motherfucker takes us driving like dog. Some days we were literally spent like four or five hours between like job. And the funny thing is we're getting paid hourly by him because he's like our fucking, you know, uh, manager, boss man for his mom or whatever. So we're getting paid hourly to do this. which is fucking great when we weren't doing this breaking fucking work in the middle of the summer. Um, And so one afternoon we're driving and he fucking stops all of a sudden and he runs into some tall bush dog. Like he disappeared, comes back with like three trash bags. And I'm like, yo, what the fuck? And he throws them in the back of the Bronco. And as soon as he does, all I can smell is weed. And I'm like, so check this out. This was around the time a lot of grows were getting raided. A lot of competitive grows are calling in their competition. And even if people got the warning or the inclination that they were going to get raided, a lot of them would chop their shit early, stuff it in a bag, and toss it. Because an empty grow house is way better than a grow house that's full of pot plants. Right, right. Right, right, yeah. So... And he really jumped onto the system or found out that people were doing this because a lot of times, too, they were throwing out like grow equipment and sometimes it was like moldy weed. And I'm like, oh, but this dude, this kid was making thousands, thousands of dollars, 
thousands of dollars off of trash bags. I can't even tell you. And then, so here's where Evan starts to get fun. If he's not already turning into an interesting person, Evan liked, he liked cocaine. He, he was a big cocaine guy. Um, he had a weird thing about like buying white pizzas, eat like sniffing a bunch of cocaine and then smashing like a pizza that was meant for like eight people for like what one in dude. The bro fuck? I will never forget it was crazy like we would watch him like just fuck it up and he would just, get like, white pizzas too, white, so only white, white pizzas he'd be like tomato white. sauce fucks with my stomach as he's fucking snorting <laughs> these rails he and I'm like handle nightshades I'm oh, like dude God. is that's what's that's what's fucking with your stomach okay whatever so anyway Anyways, um, I'll never forget. Evan started to get a little crazy, and like we would kind of butt heads sometimes. I didn't. I wasn't really into like hanging out with drunk cokeheads too often. And, yeah, like, me either. And then we we were we were kicking it a lot after work. So that's like when your work life and your home life blends up. And that was around the time I was getting into like uh, building my race cars heavily. So like I really wasn't with like drinking and driving all too much. I, I always separated the two because I had race cars. So I wasn't trying to fuck my investment up or on a more important note, hurt or kill anybody. Um, one night they're having like a, who can do more Coke competition. And, uh, it was after they basically found a bunch of bags and basically, I think sold it for like 12 bands or something. And like, basically how it ended up, if I remember correctly, is we were all sort of drinking at a friend's house. They pulled up super coked out fucking doing it. And then they got into a, who can do more rail competition. And after they both smashed, like what must've been like, I don't know, six white pies a piece. Like I'm not even (laughs) kidding. It was ungodly how much pizza these dudes are eating. It was like, well, you can't feel your face, but you're shoving this fucking white sauce cheese and fucking gluten, super gluten bread down your throat. Oh, my God. So, so anyways, um, someone convinces Evan to drag race somebody else's Bronco on a strip. And that's when Evan uh, basically uh, destroyed the fucking Bronco with cord in the car. Like, literally fucking flew down, like, 120, barrel rolled at 90 on a fucking, on chrome, I believe, down in the Redlands, somewhere somewhere down there. And just completely destroyed this, what now would have been a very, very nice, you know, fucking Bronco to have into shit. Um, Evan was an interesting character. Um, I found out after the fact that that was the fourth Bronco that he's done this with. What the fuck? And that's when I was like, I I can't fuck with Evan anymore. <laughs> and that is the story uh, of, of, of Evan. To this Bronco day, on the Redlands is no joke. It's a fucking hell of a story, dude. Just the fact that he put like, yo, it blew my mind for me to watch him like the process of him finding the weed, debucking it, reselling it, fucking getting coke, getting pizza, inviting us over for pizza. He was stingy with the coke because Cord will tell you it was fucking hilarious to watch them fight. And I just smoked weed in the corner. Yeah, Evan was definitely a, a crazy character for sure. Uh, well, there was a night with like a lot of mushrooms too, 
but he would get really touchy feely. So we didn't do mushrooms around him. <laughs> yeah, like he'd like to ask you to like touch his nipples and stuff like that. I'm like that's cool. This is why we gotta have news to cover, guys, because this, this, these Florida stories start to come out. Yeah, yeah. So you know, um, I don't Evan doubt someone to cuddle with uh, when he was fucked up. He did, he did, and he had a bird. He had a parrot that was like in its fifties, and uh-huh. that was a mean son of a bitch. What and he, he used to feed it chicken. It was fucking hilarious. What? Yeah, and so you'd come in, and that that fucking that macaw would be holding like a fucking drumstick fucking going at it. I'm just like a little raptor. Yeah. It was mean. Well fed. Yeah. So that's my um, interesting Florida Vice City story. I'm sure. Oh, <laughs> we did get stuck one night in the mud going out mudding. And he got so fucked up on the way back from the campfire that he's like, yeah, no, it's this way. Well, it wasn't. And so we spent the night fucking digging a tire out and getting rocks and stacking them. And like, bro, it was, that was the most, that was when I realized I didn't want to spend any more time with Evan. I bet. Yeah. I was stuck in the mud with someone that's fucked up. Yeah. But it was four of us and he was being all fucked up and just like trying to do it all himself. And you can see him going in and out, drifting in and nodding off. And we're like, yo, when we get out of here, you're not driving, bro. Fuck it. He's like, well, don't drive it past 65. I'm like, okay, dude, whatever. Well, I'll be speeding in my Bronco. I'll wreck this thing while you sleep. No, that's the trash bag thing's interesting. It's, it makes sense. Like you see the trash bags on the side of the road, you better grab them up. Yeah, yeah. That that was just a crazy time. And he did it for years. I'm, I, I mean, I obviously, you know, everything runs its course. Um, but you know, uh, yeah, that is the story of that time and uh, people dumping out weed and people finding it. And so, you might have bought some of Evan's trash bag weed. You know, yeah. Oh, you know what that sounds means? There's been too many shits, fuck yous, and we're running out of time. So if you'd like to follow us, uh, check us out on Instagram, Square Grouper Podcast. Um, Something that we'd like to start doing because we do have this really awesome and cool message that was sent to us, but we were obviously and will ask for permission if we decide to read your message on the air. But we would love to hear from more messages like what we will be doing the next episode, hopefully with this one. Um, the guy was brave enough to message us. I don't see the harm, but of course, let's be respectful. And, you know, th- we would love to hear from people that genuinely remember the Florida cannabis that we're talking about in any way, shape or form. If you have a story to share, any thoughts, please. We're both checking the page now that I've got my lazy ass off of it. And now I've got eyes on it. Hit us up, man. I'm super stoked to hear from you. More importantly, to talk about it. But looking forward to doing more of that. Also, um, we've got some Save the Bail shirts that uh, I know it was only supposed to be a one-time drop. But through a miscommunication that happens sometimes, you were lucky enough that there's going to be another. Hey, I'm snagging a couple more. I get a lot of compliments on that shirt. Um, and doing so actually helps kind of push what we're a couple other things that we've got going for you guys as well. Um, 
Joe, it's not like a broken record. I will wait till we get more of it rolling, but I'm very excited getting into it now. Thank you guys so much. Um, yeah, look forward to doing more of it. And eventually soon, we'll hopefully get a interview on here. But um, till then, thank you, Dave, for putting up with all the craziness in between. You know, life's been kind of crazy for both of us. We've been doing a lot of shit and just trying to do all the fucking things while we can. It's hard to be in all the places at once. But I just want to say thank you guys so much. Thank you to my co-host. Um, if you're still listening and listening to this whole thing, again, thank you. We appreciate you. Let us know how we're doing. Send us a message. And, yeah, we look forward to running this again. Thank you, guys. Peace. <laughs>